More like radio, less like crap. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he, was, he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? Oh, I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show. Because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'm bad. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin's some stupid kid. Weird name. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol my volume. Alcohol my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it? it has nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin. Right? So you're blaming the drunkard. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunkard, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Tuesday night, and my tongue is bleeding profusely. <laughs> I'll explain that in a second. Welcome to Alcohol by Volume, episode number 97. It's Tuesday. Jesus Christ, I think I'm going to get blood all over my windscreen. Tuesday, January 27th, 2015. Um, and actually, uh, this is very technically the two-year anniversary of the show. The first show was January 27th, 2013, so exactly kind of impressed with that I did not think that was going to work out like that um so so as for as for my tongue I, I apparently cannot eat like a normal human being and every so often when I'm eating I will forget that my tongue is not food and chomp right down on it at which point it will start bleeding for a good long while um yeah so oof, choking back blood right now fun, fun, fun. Uh, use some wonderful deep riding mouthwash, but talking keeps bringing the blood to the forefront. So th- th- this is going to be a fun, fun show for me. Oh. If you want to call in on Skype, it's alcohol by volume and the phone number 862-345-7125. That's 862-ALCOHOL. So I've been sick uh, since the weekend. I'm, I'm, I think I'm finally coming down from it so I haven't even really been able to drink that much because I haven't been able to taste a goddamn thing um, and then of course Snowpocalypse 2015 was a complete bust here in North Jersey I mean uh, to give you an idea I mean I, I couldn't even tell you how much we got over the past couple of days in terms of snow but I think we got more from Friday night into Saturday morning over this past weekend I had a floor hockey game at uh, one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> not in the afternoon, in the morning. It started snowing a little bit when I was on my way out there. I, th- I think I got out there by like midnight. And uh, by the time I got out, it was n- not a relaxing drive home at all. Pain in the ass. That compared to these past couple days, it, it, the roads were fine. 
The roads were fucking fine out here. Yeah, yeah, there were some places that got hit, but the meteorologists really, and, and, and to their credit, a lot of them have owned up to it and said, you know, okay, yeah, we fucked up, you know, but uh, eh, at least I got the past two days off work. Not that I really care too much about that because I'm going to end up having to eat shit for that because it was the first two days of the semester and that's just going to cause problems and people are going to be like, well, we were off those two days, so that's why I have all this stuff for you today. Well, yeah, well, maybe you could have, uh, I don't know, had it ready last Thursday or Friday or something. Maybe, I don't know. I, I swear. So, some college faculty, not all, not all, there are very many that I that I like, that I'm friends with. But some college faculty, it, it's it's like herding goats. It, it's like it's like children. It, it it can be very tough. So um, yeah, I've been sick. Snowpocalypse was nothing. So um, I did I did make some purchases this past weekend though. One that I was extremely excited about because it popped up on my uh, beermenus.com feed. I think on Thursday, it was either Thursday night or like Friday morning. I was able to get two growlers of Carton regular coffee, which made me extremely happy, especially since cans are totally sold out now. Um, I don't know if um, that means that any cans that Carton distributed outside of the brewery to, um, to bottle shops and everything are gone too, but the brewery is completely out. So, but got my two growlers. I've had one glass so far. So I'm, I'm, and they're 32 ounce growlers. So I don't have a lot, but I'm savoring it. I'm not even drinking it tonight because I didn't want to pollute it with my stupid ass tongue. Plus being sick, I don't think I'd get the full effect of it. So, uh, yeah. Damn it. Um, right now, what I'm drinking is actually something that I initially bought for my wife. Uh, she wanted to try the um, Mike's Strawberry Margarita. Yes, I know. Yes, it's it's very pink. I'm drinking it over ice. But I got to say, it's actually not that bad. Uh, when you compare it to the Bud Light Lime Strawberry, this one's actually a lot better. I mean, yeah, it's a alcohol pop you know, malt beverage, whatever, but for what it is, it's actually not bad. But I also got, um, well, um, when I thought I was going to be, you know, trapped in the house, um, last night I picked up a six pack of Sam Adams Rebel Rider IPA, which is their session IPA. And I've had a bottle of that pretty good. I mean, it's a serviceable session IPA. And last week I had, um, I managed to pick up a six-pack, and I think, uh, what day was this? I think this was on Friday, too. Picked up a bottle, or not a bottle, six-pack of Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goza. And shockingly, I wasn't as thrilled with that one as compared to the Kimmy the Ink and the Holy Goza. Um, It's almost like the Blood Orange kind of takes away something from it. But that might just be me. Jesus Christ. Can't stop bleeding. It's ridiculous. I got like a paper towel here that I'm dabbing occasionally, and it just looks like a fucking crime scene. Uh, I'll have to post that to Instagram later. That'll be fun, because I know you guys want to see that. Uh, and that I actually, as I as I promised last week to Sherry, 
I actually bought a goddamn bottle of wine. Yes, yes, yes. I finally, finally bought a bottle of wine specifically to expand my knowledge and tasting of wine. Yes, yes, I know. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so I got Bread and Butter Pinot Noir 2013. I like it. I am not good at identifying individual notes of wines quite yet. All I can say is I thought it tasted good. I'm curious what Sherry's thoughts are on my choice of wine there. Um, I was going to go... I, I, I was originally looking for uh, New Jersey wines. I was going to start with that. And everything I found at the shop I went to, everything was a very nondescript, quote, table wine. And since I don't know enough about wine to distinguish what exactly a table wine entails, um, you know, style-wise and everything, I mean, let me see, what is a table wine? You know, I could have just Googled that, I suppose. Uh, wine of moderate quality considered suitable for drinking with a meal. I mean, that's basically it. Um, in the United States, it primarily designates a wine-style ordinary wine, which is neither fortified nor sparkling. Um, so, and there were a few that looked like they might have been okay, um, but I, I did not want to start with just a straight-up table wine. I wanted to go with, you know, I was looking at uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, um, and I eventually, you know, settled on a Pinot Noir, but it was like $14 for the bottle. I've had a couple glasses of it so far, and I've enjoyed it. So I, I, I finally got to log my first wine on Vivino. So hopefully I will be able to do a little bit more of that as time goes on. So uh, without any further ado, let me move into the press clippings for this week and see if my tongue will hold for the two hours of this show tonight. Uh, from ABC News, this was uh, this was a story I initially reported on, was it last week, week before? I don't know. Time all blurs. New England Brewing caves to pressure regarding their Gandhi bot beer. This fucking annoys the shit out of me that they did this. Um, Connecticut Brewery will no longer use the name and likeness of Mohandas Gandhi and one of its beers following complaints that the marketing was offensive, a state lawmaker said Friday. Now keep in mind, New England Brewing Company has been making this beer for four years now. Where were these shitheads four years ago? The label on New England Brewing Company's Gandhi bot India Pale Ale is a cartoon image depicting a robot version of the late Indian leader who favored prohibition. The Woodbridge-based company apologized earlier this month to anyone who found it insensitive. They should not have had to fucking apologize. There's no reason. In a statement, the brewery said it decided to rebrand the beer following meetings with Indian-American business owners, temple leaders, and state officials, including state rep uh, Prasad Srinivasan. The statement was posted on Nudabidida's website. After careful consideration, we feel that renaming Gandhi Bhatt... Oh, wait. Uh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Uh, this was from the brewery, so I'm not giving the right accent here. Uh, after careful consideration, we feel that renaming Gandhi Bhatt is the right move. Taking these steps will allow us to express our support for the Indian American community while also limiting any economic losses. You are not going to... How are you... Jesus. I mean, yeah, you're limiting economic losses 
by changing the name of the beer. But you shouldn't have had to change it at all. You shouldn't have to limit economic losses. You should not have to take any. These idiots were not going to be buying the beer in the first place. Uh, let's see. A Glastonbury Republican who's from India said he's glad the brewery heard the concerns of the Indian America, American community. Our sensitivity on this important issue has been addressed, and I am looking forward to the early release of the renamed and rebranded product. Yeah, you're not even going to fucking drink it, so fuck you. The Gandhi Bot beer, which had been distributed for about, oh, I'm sorry, about five years, was promoted on the brewery's website as fully vegetarian and an ideal aid for self-purification and the seeking of truth and love. New England Brewing's head brewer did not immediately respond to a message seeking comment. The company said in a statement, the beer itself will remain the same. I part of me understands why but in this case how how big is the the uh the, the Indian American lobby for something like this I mean we've seen the the general you know like Asian American lobby I'm talking like you know um East Asia you know Japan China Korea stuff like that um we we've seen them get up in arms over things, uh, so apparently that lobby's big enough. Um, of course, we we all know about you know Al Sharpton's crusades and everything like that. But really, was this really that big a deal? Were there really that many people complaining about this beer, or was it just one noisy fucking moron that isn't even going to drink the wouldn't even have considered? drinking the beer, probably doesn't even drink beer in the first place. And they complained about this, you know, their outrage. You know, it's not quite the right right race for that, but it's still fucking annoying. Um, ugh. You know what, then? Don't, 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 give, don't give Gandhi, you know, the, the praise for this beer then. You know, put, put somebody else more deserving on it. Because I guess, from what I read, he was allegedly a pedophile. Allegedly? I don't know. I don't know. Is that going to piss somebody off now? Are they going to come after my show? And Oh, we do not want to hear you talk about our pedophile person. Or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let me move to another story before I dig myself deeper. Uh, well, I had this somewhere, didn't I? Um, hold on a second. I apparently closed a tab that I shouldn't have. Um, I got this from... Let's see, I got this from Dennis on the Facebook page. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, from the Elite Daily, your dreams have come true. Tequila is actually proven to help weight loss. Now, it's not specifically tequila itself, but component in it. Let me read on with this. Uh, not only will it assist in the weight loss process, it'll help to lower blood sugar... It was amazing news for people suffering from type 2 diabetes. Recent study conducted at the American Chemical Society has blessed us with this amazing information. Basically, agavina, a sugar that comes from the agave plant used to produce tequila, triggered insulin production and lowered blood sugar in an experiment conducted with mice. In addition to these astonishing results, the sweetener also helped the overweight mice drop some hefty, uh, oh, pounds, yeah, the fact that they wrote it in all caps, LBS, I was like, what's that a fucking acronym for? Agavin, unlike sucrose, fructose, and glucose, is not absorbed by the body, so it will not increase blood glucose. 
Uh, we're not telling you to rip tequila shots with every e- uh, with every meal. However, these agavins are actually a type of fiber that creates a full feeling, ergo suppressing appetite. And that's actually kind of cool too. Scientists who conducted this study believe that agavins are a viable light sweetener substitute since, quote, they are sugars, highly soluble, have a low glycemic index, and a neutral taste, but most important, they're not metabolized by humans. So, interesting there. Um, it's, you know, it's not tequila itself, but the um, kind of the sugar in there. Uh, let's see here uh, in the comments. Oh, it also makes your clothes fall off. Um, let's see. Oh, somebody else is complaining about it. This article is very out of proportion. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, and they, they helping to help the overweight mice drop some hefty pounds. Mice losing some pounds. What they cease to exist after drinking this? Oof. It is kind of poor writing when you think about it. Um. Then, uh, let's see, I got this one from Mitch. Another update in uh, Minnesota's latest push for Sunday liquor sales. This is from fox9.com out of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Some Minnesota lawmakers are going to try and open the bottle on Sunday liquor sales again. Senator Roger Reinhart uh, out of Duluth. And, uh, let's see, Representative Jennifer Loon out of Eden Prairie are both sponsoring bills that remove the ban and state statute. It's faced fierce, op- fierce opposition amongst uh, special interest groups in the past, but polls show the public wants it. I think the people of Minnesota are ready for this, Senator Reinhart said. 38 other states have figured out how to do it. Every state on or borders on or borders. Jesus Christ. Proof these articles, people! Every state on our borders and two provinces have figured out how to do it. The 65% of Minnesotans who want this deserve to have a hearing and floor vote on the issue. Opponents of ending the Sunday sales ban say independent liquor store owners want to stay closed on Sundays so as not to feel pressure from competitors or deal with overhead. Others say they simply don't want to work on Sunday. Well, okay, fine. Be lazy. You know, whatever. Last year was a small step forward to allow just uh, beer growler sales on Sundays. failed in the Senate when the Teamsters Union withdrew its support of the bill. And, again, you know, it's just another... Another ridiculous law. Another fucking blue law. Jesus fucking Christ. Ugh. I think my tongue's just going to fall off at this point. Um, oh, okay, Roy Black on Crack says anything can help weight loss. I knew a guy who went on a 3,000 calorie diet to lose weight. How he- uh, how heavy was the dude? That's a fair question at that point. Because, I mean, a 3,000 calorie diet, if, you know, if you're pretty heavy, a 3,000 calorie diet is... Still gonna put you at a deficit. Uh, let's see what else I got from CNN. Self-service beer taps are on the way. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. I don't think this is the John Goodman, but John Goodman invented a pretty obvious solution: self-service beer taps. Um, recalled the exact moment in late 2008 when his frustration boiled over, waiting for a beer in a crowded bar. I was hanging out with my friends in a Baltimore sports bar before an Orioles game. Uh, we just couldn't get another beer served to us quickly. Even more than being annoyed, Goodman was struck by how much money the bar must be losing. Almost immediately, he got to work on a self-service beer concept. Within a few months, Goodman had launched Pour My Beer in Chicago, where he'd relocated to be with his wife. He invested $20,000 of his own funds and partnered with a U.S. manufacturer to make beer tables with two to four self-service taps. 
Uh, in February 2009, Goodman landed his first client, a Baltimore tavern. Spent the next two years growing the business, adding more bars and restaurants. And uh, 2011, Pour My Beer introduced self-service beer walls, which let people pour their own beers from a tap on the wall. We've seen people waiting online to use the self-service unit. Well, th- it, it, doesn't that kind of end up defeating the purpose of what you were, you know, you didn't want to wait for a beer in a crowded bar, and now you're waiting for a beer in a crowded bar? Um, but he says, we're, uh, we're committed to this. It's efficient. We're making a little more money on beer sales. Most importantly, our customers think it, think it's neat. Um, I mean, I don't know. Part of me likes it. Another part fears for the job of bartenders. And I'm, I'm talking like good bartenders that could be lost to this. You know, the, the ones that actually know what they're serving and the ones that aren't just slinging drinks and, you know, leaving it at that. I'd like to think they'd stick around in a sort of consultation role, giving customers information on the beers, what they might like, etc. You're still going to need the human factor there. Um, I, I, I don't know how um, how prevalent these, um, these kind of um, taps would be. I don't know. Uh, let's see. And this is a good point I'm reading here in the comments. Oh boy, instead of sitting comfortably at my table talking with friends, I get to stand, I get to stand in long lines waiting behind people that don't know how to pour a beer. That's a good point. Or too buzzed and technically challenged to figure out how to reactivate their wristband. Anything is fun when it's new, but it'll quickly become as exciting as the self-serve soda machines at McDonald's. So that that is that is a good point. I mean... I think you're gonna want to keep the wait staff, keep the bartenders around. It'll be it'll be a novelty, but I I don't see it necessarily taking over. Um, I like the idea when it comes to sampling. Like I remember there were those um, those self serve taps that had like the uh, the checkout meter in them, where I mean you could get two ounces of one beer, two ounces of another, oh three ounces of this one, and it would just kind of keep a log of you know what you were getting, and you'd create a tab that way. Um, that that I think is cool in terms of sampling. That could make it a little bit easier. I mean, you almost think about it like uh, a lot of these uh, frozen yogurt places. You can sample in those. Um, you don't even have to pay for the samples. You can just walk in, sample shit. But uh, yeah, some some kind of self serve like that. And even those get congested and everything. But I don't I don't see it taking a full on foothold. But see what happens. Um. Uh, oh, Jesus. Okay, Roy Black on crack. Going back to that guy who went on a $3,000 calorie diet to lose weight. He couldn't leave his house slash hotel room. So that kind of that kind of tells you how big this guy was. And no, it was not heavy. Um, last bit with the news clippings here. Before I'll get into the big, 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 big story of the week. Uh, this is from the drinks business. Carlsberg plans cardboard beer bottles. Yes, this sounds delicious, doesn't it? They've announced plans to develop the world's first fully biodegradable wood fiber bottle. The green fiber bottle was unveiled at the World Economic Economic Forum in uh, Davos, Switzerland as part of a three-year project with packaging company Exo, oh, I'm sorry, Eco Pack, and in partnership with Innovation Fund Denmark and the Technical University of Denmark. Made from sustainably sourced wood fiber, all materials used in the bottle, including the cap, that's kind of interesting, will be developed using bio-based and biodegradable materials. And I'm curious how they're going to, I'm very curious how they're going to do that with the cap. 
and keep a good seal on it, keep the beer from skunking. I mean, it, I'm not saying that Carlsberg is, you know, the you know stunning best of the beers, but I don't know. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Let's see. Uh, announcing the project. Carlsberg posted an image on its Instagram uh, depicting what its future bottle line could look like. Uh, Andrea Dawson Shepard, Senior Vice President for Corporate Affairs, said at Carlsberg, we're firm believers in the importance of a circular economy, ensuring sustainable growth. Blah, blah, blah. You know, going, She's given all the environmental buzzwords and everything. You know, zero waste economy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, last year, similar technology was developed by UK-based Green Bottle, which saw a U.S. line of paper wine bottles by Paso Robles uh, winery Paperboy launched in the U.S. However, Green Bottle went into administration just five months after the line made its debut. Uh, so, obviously, they, they uh, folded. Haha. <laughs> that company used a plastic bladder inside a cardboard bottle. So, obviously, in that case, I would assume the bottle itself is fully biodegradable. The plastic bladder... Probably not so much. Carlsberg is going different with this. Their bottles are planned to be produced in one piece using an inner coating that will decompose naturally. Now, my, my instant thought with this project was, first of all, you know, okay, you're going to have to have some kind of inner coating. It's going to be a bag. It's going to be a polymer. It's going to have to be something that's going to have to biodegrade naturally, right? Um, is this going to affect the taste of the beer? You know, were they were they going more for biodegradability, or are they trying to protect the beer itself? I mean, again, I'm not saying that this is a you know stellar, fantastic beer, but they still want to you know maintain the integrity of it. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Yeah, no, nothing else with this article. So uh, let me drink a little bit more here. Stem off the taste of blood. Oy. Am I am I the only one that has this problem? I mean, I used to have a problem always with with biting my cheek, and when once you bite your cheek, you hit it in the same spot again and again. With me, it's just it's just biting down on my tongue as though it were food, and just puncturing it to the point where it just bleeds, bleeds, bleeds. Um. And I just got to wait for it to clot and stop bleeding. So I'm probably going to be drooling blood in bed tonight. That's going to be fun. Ugh. Mm. Ah. Should have brought more paper towels in here. So, okay. The big story. Big, big, big story from uh, the past few days. I think uh, it was really like over the weekend this really hit. Anheuser-Busch... Uh, has acquired, or they are going to be acquiring Elysian Brewing Company. Uh, predictably, the internet lost their fucking minds over this. This uh, this article, this one's from Brewbound, so I'll read from this. You know what, let me suck on a piece of ice, too. Maybe that'll help me a little bit. Um, Anheuser-Busch InBev announced it'll purchase Elysian Brewing Company in a deal that will include the Seattle-based company's four brew pub locations. Official terms of the deal were not disclosed. The transaction is expected to close this quarter. The announcement marks AB InBev's third craft brewery acquisition in the last 12 months, in the fourth since 2011. The 
can't do this with fucking ice in my mouth. Fuck that. When it purchased Chicago's Goose Island, last year AB InBev acquired two craft brewers, Oregon's Ten Barrel Brewing and New York's Blue Point Brewing. Various industry sources pegged those two deals at more than 50 and 24 million, respectively. Goose Island was acquired for 38.8 million. So the full press release they have up here, it, it's the regular speak basically saying, you know, we're still going to do what we've always done and things like that. Um, and, of course, reactions on it from all over the place. Uh, New Belgium Brewing, uh, courtesy of the fullpint.com, they had some comments on it and said, uh, we've enjoyed many years of collaboration and kinship with the Elysian team. We've grown as brewers and learned together through our work on the trip series. And we consider co-founder Dick Cantwell a member of the New Belgium family. We wish the folks at Elysian every success going forward. Um, as to New Belgium being next, we modeled many options before committing to become 100% employee-owned uh, company. In 2012, we chose this path to ensure our ability to maintain our vision and independence well into the future. Any rumors or speculation as to our being purchased are wildly unfounded. Now, to be fair, back when 10 Barrel was being purchased, when was that? Back in October or November. Uh, I think it was Dick Cantwell from Elysian uh, posted on Twitter basically saying, uh, you know, Nope, we're we're not selling to AB InBev. You know, we're staying independent. And a few months later, obviously it changes. Dollar signs will do that. Dollar signs will do that to you. Um, let me get some more reactions online before I really give you my whole take on it. This one's from Seattle Eater. Um, the news of Elysian Brewing's purchased by Anheuser Busch last week. Last week. Sent shockwaves through Seattle. The immediate reaction by an unscientific majority, which is true. It's the loudest, loudest voices get heard the most, obviously. Uh, was dismay and disappointment. Many vowed they'd never again patronize the, the label. Once things settled down a bit, a Seattle beer, uh, Seattle's beer community offered some pretty intelligent analysis. Kendall Jones at the Washington Beer Blog says, The sky is not falling. He interviewed Cohen or Dick Cantwell and thinks it's important to heed Cantwell's wish for people to, quote, Judge Elysian by what's in the bottle. That is perfectly fair. Uh, Alicia Vermillion at Seattle Met says that under optimal circumstances, these arrangements can bring more capital for local breweries, broader distribution, and more resources to get creative. And that's what I've always said when it comes to Goose Island. Uh, It seems unlikely that Cantwell and company would have entered into this agreement otherwise, and yet hard not to feel melancholy about this one. Um... Let's see. And of course, you know, there there are a lot of people. Like, they, they had a poll on Seattle Eater here. Uh, what do you think of the Elysium Brewing purchase by Anheuser-Busch? Uh, three choices. I hate it. I'm never buying Elysium beer again. Ambivalent. I'm waiting to see how it all pans out. And it's great. The beer won't change. Elysium deserves a success. Out of 243 votes, you got 42% saying they hate it. 43% saying ambivalent and 13% saying it's great. So it, it is really mixed between the people that are just kind of meh on it. And I I, th- I think I'm probably meh on it. You know, I, I don't really see any big deal about it right now. Um, the people that just hate it, I mean, it, it, it is a pretty big number 
not terribly surprising. Um, let's see. Uh, another another blog here, Birvana, had some interesting points. Um, th- there there were so many there were so many entries online where it seemed to be either Elysian sucks. I uh, hadn't been buying from them lately anyway, and I never will again. And the other path of, well, as long as the beer doesn't change, I'm fine. And that that really seemed to be the two two uh, trains of thought when it came to this. Damn, I'm gonna have to open a beer soon. So this blog, Beervana, uh, kind of went to. Let's see here. Um, I want to see where to where to kind of start this. Um, the default position holds that buyouts are bad for diversity, bad for the bought-out brewery, and bad for beer. There's a second sentiment which argues that it's all business, and who cares who owns a brewery so long as the beer is good? So he kind of went into the, went into a list of things here, and I, I think this is a very fair list. AB InBev is not evil. Like little breweries, it's just a company. AB InBev is a large company that, like small breweries, sells beer. Beer companies are morally neutral entities, and what they do is sell widgets. To associate moral value with any brewery is to make the argument that there's a higher way to sell beer, and that's obviously not defensible. That makes sense to me. Uh, Number two on here, little breweries are not virtuous. Like multinational conglomerates, they're just companies. Uh, The notion that little companies are doing something categorically different than multinational conglomerates by making and selling beer is absurd. They're breweries. Smart people have decided to quit the idea that there's craft beer and then some other lesser category. Um, (laughs) A little iffy on that. Um, There's beer and then there's, well, beer. It's all made in breweries of malt, hops, water, and yeast, and increasingly other things. Companies that make the substance sell it on open markets. Some are big companies. Some are small. Um, and you can say, you know, little breweries are not virtuous. Multinational conglomerates are not virtuous. Um, the multinationals just happen to have a little bit more weight behind them that they have the power to do things that may be seen as not virtuous. You know, kind of put it that way. But again, it's, it's all business. That is, that is, you know... One of the foundations of our society now. Jesus Christ. The blood keeps flowing. How much blood do I have in my body? I really really don't know. I I have no idea. Uh, Number three. You can't judge the quality of beer by the size of the brewery. Fans of American craft beer take it as gospel that big companies make crap and little breweries make good beer. This is not true. Big breweries make beer that millions buy. It may not be the beer that I love, but that doesn't necessarily make it crap. In many cases, mass market lagers are the cleanest and most consistent beers on the market. One of the common stories told back in the 1980s was that big breweries used additives and chemicals in their beer. It was one of the arguments in favor of small-scale brewing. Uh, I don't know, maybe some did, but as far as I can tell you now, total hogwash. And plenty of little breweries make pond water, like literally. I Wow, I'm pretty sure I... Re- Recall finding a polywog and an extra strong bitter ones. Uh, little breweries make plenty of crap, and that's true. Just because a uh, brewer is craft does not 
instantly mean that they are better. Simple as that. They, they are not necessarily better by virtue of being a craft brewer. I mean, I could be a craft brewer and I could make some really shitty beer. Ah. And I've had some pretty shitty craft brews before too. So, uh, number four, big, comp- uh, big companies have a lot of power in the marketplace and don't love competition. That is also very true. It is a fact of business. Uh, you have to be willingly forgetful to acquit Anheuser-Busch of being a malignant force in beer diversity in the 21st century. There were 700 breweries following Prohibition, and, and Anheuser-Busch and other giants ran almost all of them out of business by 1980, when there were only 80 breweries left. They did this by being bigger and more efficient, sure, but they also used bare-knuckle business tactics to dominate distribution, rig local laws in their favor. Again, you're bigger, you gain the power, you're able to push the buttons that you need to, um, and buy out everyone they couldn't drive out. Given a choice between competing against a few other companies in a stable market and competing against a hugely fragmented competition in a volatile market, they, um, they've chosen the latter. Um, and again, that's what business is. And then the last one on here. Local breweries keep traditions alive. There's there's been a lot of talk with Elysian how oh, you know there go it's the beginning of the end of you know the Seattle beer community and things like that. Um, from the article here, companies are people. Here in Portland, I know the majority of brewers in the city. They're my neighbors and members of my community. They employ my neighbors and other members of my community. That alone is reason enough to at least be prejudiced towards local breweries. But there's a much more important reason. Beer is one of the most varied products on earth. And that diversity comes from the preference of locals who say favor dark ales in Dusseldorf and light lagers in Munich. There was a mass extinction following the Second World War when cheap commodified beer displaced more expensive local styles. Dozens of funky, interesting types of beer vanished from the earth. And I've talked about many of those styles before. And and some of those styles being brought back from the near dead. Um, he goes, uh, there are cases in which the existence of one or two single breweries kept a beer alive. Um, DuPont, Schneider, Schlenkerla, Spezial. These are never multinational conglomerates, but family breweries keeping traditions alive. The more breweries there are, particularly funky little breweries that can make a living by selling niche beer, the more diversity that will survive. So even even as Anheuser-Busch buys, you know, and, and you got to think, since 2011, um, well, you know, okay, let's just say over, over the past, say the past year, they have bought three craft brewers, just flat out bought them. How many craft brewers are there out there? Drop in the bucket. And you have a lot of locals that have their local traditions. Those aren't going to go away. Um, I mean, I know, for instance, like Anheuser-Busch has interests in like Kona Brewing, Red Hook, stuff like that. I, I think Red Hook and stuff like that. But on the whole, what Anheuser-Busch is doing is a drop in the bucket compared to the overall craft beer world. You know what I gotta say for the for the founders of Elysian? Fucking good for you. 
Um, you know, before again, before I get into my opinion, there's let me see. There was one more. I wanted to see if there was anything useful in this uh, in this entry here. Um, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of this other one. It's mainly, you know, kind of people whining. Um, there, there was a good point. Right, let's see. This was um, from Craft Beer Monger. There, there, was a, there was a great line in this article that I really liked. If you're one of those people who is disgusted by this news and perhaps even pledged to never drink Elysium beers or visit their local brew pubs again, you might want to reevaluate that reaction. Realize that such action, in the short term at least, only serves to hurt those people you've come to know and like here in Seattle who work for Elysian. Yeah. Um, the people that have instantly decided to boycott Elysian, they're hurting Elysian more than anything Anheuser-Busch could do. Um, they instantly think that since some money changed hands, the beer instantly sucks. Even the stuff that they have fermenting right now oh it sucks now money changed hands it sucks now it's done the logic behind that just baffles me and honestly you you find it in any kind of fandom you'll find it in a sports fandom you'll find it in a collectible fandom you'll anything you're gonna have the people that either are too cool for the room cannot accept any degree of change you know I, I'll go back I'll go back to my fandom of Transformers fandom you have the people that cannot fucking stand the Michael Bay movies do I think they're Shakespeare no but they're just fun popcorn flicks um the the you know some of the recent animated series there have been some that have in my opinion been garbage but you know what some people enjoyed them, and fine. It's a show for kids anyway. It's a show for kids, and the toys are for kids. So, as long as these people that are boycotting Elysian realize that their opinion is not the be-all, end-all of all of this, um, I don't know. People are stubborn. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. People are stubborn. They get very bitter. And that's what happens. So, my overall reaction to this, it's a business. This stuff happens. As an example, if for some amazing reason, my videography gig got to a point where someone wanted to purchase it, but still basically allowing me full autonomy, but with a greater cash flow, promotion, etc., I would jump at that fucking chance. Uh, mind you, I don't have employees to think of. I just have clients, so that's another dimension to it entirely. But you have to think that Elysian is also thinking of their employees. They're not just you know, taking the payday and saying, well, fuck you guys, we're off. No. It, I'd like to think that at least some of the craft brewers, they kind of develop a family around it. Now, you hear some craft brewers out there where the employees are not necessarily treated as well. And to them I say fuck those guys but I you know and m money money is a powerful motivator and if you look at it this way Elysian is going to get better distribution we're not going to see anything bad happen with beers like Punkachino 
Great Pumpkin, things like that, they're just going to end up in more markets. Look at Goose Island. Um, who's to say I would have seen a Goose Island beer before Anheuser-Busch purchased them? Little things like that. There were actually a few po- uh, posters on Beer Advocate that summed it up pretty well. And I, I was shocked that some of the voices of reason came from Beer Advocate. Because I know that mm, some of the posters there have a tendency to be a little elitist when it comes to things like this. Uh, One said, I won't stop buying Elysian just because. Hopefully Elysian continues to see success in pretty much the same way Goose Island has done well since the buyout. Another guy replied to that, pretty much what I was thinking. Goose Island served as an example that being purchased by Anheuser-Busch InBev doesn't mean that suck will soon follow. Why would they buy a successful crap op- craft op- Ooh, Freudian slip? What? Buy a successful craft operation only to allow it to turn south, and that makes sense. Why would they buy this just to drive it into the ground? It that doesn't benefit them in any way whatsoever. They purchase these breweries so they don't have to reinvent the wheel just to get into the craft market. And then uh, the final one here from uh, let's see, user Evil Catfish. As I've said with other acquisitions, if quality is maintained or even improved and they can increase distribution, then I'm all for it. Um, Hey, James. (laughs) Until the corporations or evil haters get rid of their iPhones, Nike sneakers, Ford vehicles, North Face jackets, etc., I'm not paying attention to them. And yeah, that is is a good point. I mean, corporate beer sucks. Give me my iPhone. Um, And... and, uh, well, we we have a we have a good guy here in the here in the chat right now, James J from uh, Long Island. Uh, if if you're not familiar with him, you've probably seen him on Twitter, and uh, he he has a um, he has a he has a good podcast, um, fairly new, I believe, up to episode uh, episode three now. Um, let me see, see if I can find it. Uh, because I want to give you the proper info. Uh, of course, by the time I get back into the chat, he'll probably uh, probably have the right... Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Okay, I could just go to the Twitter feed. Uh, let's see. This is... Uh, okay, it is the This Is Never Gonna Work podcast. Uh, and you can actually... There we go. There's a URL. This is never going to work podcast.podomatic.com. So a little, little promotion for him. Um, he, uh, yep, he's up to episode three. He's recording episode number four Thursday. And I've, I've been listening and I've enjoyed it. I, even, even if he's a Penguins fan, I can still say I enjoy his podcast. Fuck the Penguins, but dude does a good show. So can't say anything bad about that. So, uh, thank you for popping into the chat there, sir. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you know what? Before I before I hit the break, this kind of goes into the whole like kind of corporate feel here. Ah, I feel like I've got skin floating around my mouth now. That's delightful. Um, I found this on Reddit, and this this ties in, like I said, to the whole you know corporate beer kind of thing. Redditor. Snizzle Fry posited the question, how long until big corporate food companies start to make their own beer? 
and he was thinking like Oreo stout, dull pineapple sour, and what would you like to see? Of course, the uh, top rated answer on here was Doritos Cool Ranch Lambic. <laughs> Yikes. Um, somebody else chimed in. I think it's a lot more likely someone would license their name, not really make their own beer, but you're right, seems inevitable. I can see a Widmer Starbucks beer, Rogue Hershey Edition Shakespeare Stout. Uh, I have to imagine whoever gets a contract with the National Food Company would have to have near-national distribution, too. Uh, somebody had a good idea that Trogue should actually make the Hershey beer. That would be a good idea, because they're pretty much just down the street from them. Um, another person, let's see, uh, NKLIM, Nicklim, uh, thought that something with brand perception could play into this, too. Uh, Hershey, for example, is a very family company, and he doesn't see Hershey as being willing to potentially damage their wholesome reputation by associating with alcohol. I could see that. Um, now, somebody else chimed in here. Perhaps we're limiting ourselves with food. What about some Jim Beam barrel-aged Budweiser? Now, to be fair, I actually have something similar to that coming up in the new releases and reveals. Um, so, I mean, that, that kind of thing is already coming. Um, sausage, Egg McMuffin, Hash Brown, and a McBeer Ultimate Hangover Breakfast. Uh, McDonald's in Germany sells beer? Oh, goddamn. And in Spain. I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> user Diarrhea Hamburger. Says the cost to license a major name like Oreo would be so much that only a huge brewery would be able to do it. A lot of those breweries are so pressured to avoid marketing to kids, they'd probably avoid it altogether. Yeah, people would bitch about it. Uh, how about with candy? Uh, Warhead Weiss, Lemonhead Goza. <laughs> I would drink that. Um, somebody was talking about running a uh, Berliner Weiss through uh, fruit and warheads in the Dogfish Head Randall system. Uh, blue pants in Oklahoma or Oklahoma? How did I get Oklahoma? Alabama actually has an Oreo stout, but it was their stout Randled on Oreos, so I guess not much. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Oh, okay. Uh, James, uh, I will do that. Let's see. I'm trying to think of the best way to do this. If if you're not in the chat, you're missing this. More like slash live Um. Hi, Abby. Now you're on the radio. How about that, huh? Uh, because your dad told me to. Because your dad is cool. So listen to him, even though he's a Penguins fan. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Ace Grams, welcome to the chat yourself as well. Um, I can't fucking think on my toes. <laughs> you, you know me, James. I can't think on my toes at all. Um, see if there was anything else. I mean... He, I know it's not it's not like the big corporate food companies that pair up with beers, but you do have a lot of the local food companies pair up with beers. I mean, you're not getting like Nabisco and stuff like that. But um, Flying Dog out of Maryland, they paired up with a local cookie company. You often have brewers that are doing chocolate stouts that will pair with a local chocolatier for stuff like that. It's not quite the same thing, but it makes you wonder if a bigger beer, you know, like like a Budweiser, like a Coors would ever consider some kind of pairing like that. I don't think they're innovative enough 
to do that. I mean, you're not going to have Coors making an Oreo stout. You're not going to have Budweiser making a, um, I don't know. Uh, you're not going to have Budweiser making a uh, Nabisco like saltine goza or something like that. I mean, that's really the only thing I could think of there. <laughs> oh no! Please, please tell me, James, that her favorite player is is not you know. Tell tell me it's like Malkin or Latang or something like that, <laughs> please. Even Flurry, I could handle that. Um, let's see. Yeah, you know, um, New Belgium. Okay, New Belgium is doing a collaboration with Ben and Jerry's for their winter seasonal. So that's, mm, it's close. I mean, Ben and Jerry's is pretty, you know, pretty big there. Um, New Holland did a collaboration with uh, Carhartt Clothing Company, which you don't really fall into the taste there, but. Um, and then of course, you know, somebody got downvoted to hell saying, why would I buy a beer with a flavor of food that comes out of a box? Well, maybe you want to see how they can emulate that flavor. That's how it comes down. Um, so with that, you know, we're hitting the seven o'clock hour. I got to douse my tongue with something to see if I can stem the bleeding a little bit more after the break. Um, I actually got a video that Mitch and Matt posted in the Facebook group that uh, I will have to have some running commentary for because it kind of it kind of pissed me off not that it was uh, necessarily a bad video that Mitch and Matt posted I just didn't like uh, what some of these people some of their reactions to beers in this video uh, there's one guy that writes in Australia has a problem with how untapped works and then of course the uh, new beer releases and reveals and Ugh, maybe a few other things, time permitting. So we'll be back after these brief messages here on Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Alcohol by Cheers. Volume, Kevin oh, Show. Hey, hey. Oh, it's the name of the show. Hey. More like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. Let's shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness very unappealing. I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Hey, smokers, you stink. I'm not talking about your character. That's a given. I'm talking about your clothes. It's time to kick the butts and move over to something more pleasant. I'm talking about e-cigs from Smokeless Image. They're cheaper than cigarettes, don't smell, and are available in a wide variety of flavors ranging from mints, fruits, desserts, or the traditional tobacco flavors if that's what you want. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke for all your vaping needs. That's tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke. Antisocial. Gamer Radio. Hi, this is Ashley, host of Antisocial Gamer Radio, telling you to come listen to my show every Tuesday at uh, 9 p.m. UK time, 4 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Uh, every week, I like to talk about all the latest stuff going on in the gaming world, what's been coming out, what's new releases, all the topics that you like to hear. I'll be talking about it every single week. Mr. Turtle, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? 
I ain't never made it through a whole episode. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? Let's find out. A one, a two, a three. Three. How many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? The world may never know. I said three, motherfucker. The Shy Kids podcast. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific at morelikeradio.com. We are the Shy Kids. Saturday's noon east. Join Halls and Rorschach as they bring you the news you need to get you through your weekend. Ollie, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> okay, Ollie, I'm outside right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really boring hard out here. Uh, Sounds like it. Where are you at? Are you in Antarctica? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Ollie. I see somebody coming toward me. There's a, there's a man coming toward me. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, what, you, uh, uh, what are you doing in my yard? I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> guys, it's Halls from It's All About Me. Join Rorschach and myself every Saturday from noon to 2 Eastern Time right here on More Like Radio. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I just keep thinking to myself and it makes me giggle that I, every time I hear the story, I imagine it was Ray Romano in the same situation. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, bro. Bro. Kind of does. I barely it. touched her. Come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it was my brother. Look at him. He's bigger than me. Come on. Oh. Come on. Everybody loves me. Oh, I got, I got twins. Come on. Oh, let's go. Let's go, Home Depot. Come on. <laughs> Fess up, Raymond. You know it was you that got you on video. Anybody want soup? Ma, come on, we're talking over here. <laughs> oh man, I'm dying. So if you learn anything from Hippo Juice, remember Ray Romano allegedly punched his wife in an elevator. Right. We don't report the news accurately. We report half of it. Whatever. It's still news. So fuck you guys. This is more entertaining than some football player. Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Now Cause the V is so deep An interesting show It won't ever put you to sleep It has all the content That you want the best show on the planet I ain't even gonna front Deep V Bringing it again and again Don't ever miss a show And make sure that you're always tuned in Hosted by my man Mike And Ski Ray Keep it turned up on the mic All day Ask me what's my favorite podcast I say Deep V Listen to the show while you're sipping on your tea. It's the hottest of the hot. You ain't gotta trust me. Tune into the show and you will definitely see. With Mike and Ski Ray, you can't go wrong. The biggest show ever, bigger than a King Kong. Listen up and don't ever, ever miss a beat. It's Deep V. Remember that the V is so deep. What's up, everybody? Deep V Podcast. Deep V. Be sure to listen to us Fridays at 8 Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Yep. Also download us on iTunes. Just type in DV. DV, your favorite podcast. Favorite, favorite podcast. You know the way to start of the last episode, we went through uh, 
different nationalities, you know. And now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents <laughs> as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Where are you going for here? We'll name check every country on the show, that way no one can be mad about that. I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah, sure. Birdie, birdie. <laughs> <laughs> and to the Italians? Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. <laughs> okay. To the Mexicans? Hey, hey man. <laughs> uh, Spain? <laughs> uh, Singapore? <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Cockerel to dark. No. You big loop, are you? No, that sounds That's like terrible. Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster after lubricating it in my asshole and put it up as far as I could in my asshole and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. I can't believe. I then I then imagined my I then imagined in my head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball, shooting all my pee into my ass. I kept taking to the I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, making it feel like it was a huge come. Listen to Dutch and Royce Live Tuesdays from 10 to midnight, only on morelikeradio.com. Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. Right there on the right, stupid. The official Alcohol by Volume YouTube channel. Find out what's destroying my liver every week. Ah, my liver, my liver. New beer reviews every Saturday morning. And occasionally some bonus reviews in the middle of the week, too. Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash MLR Alcohol by Volume. Come on, let's go drink till we can't feel feelings anymore. A ton of lineups stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. MoreLikeRadio.com Other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Oh, yeah. These are going down real smooth now. D, slow down. You're on pace to drink 130 beers. Don't ruin this for me, Deandra. This could be the last chance I got to do something great in my life. You jerks are just all mad because I'm going to be the one to shatter, boss hog. 
Hogg's drinking record. The Boss Hogg was a big fat redneck from the Dukes of Hazard. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame third baseman. Yeah, it's Wade Boggs' drinking record, okay? The man's a legend. He drank 50 beers on a cross-country flight and then absolutely destroyed the Seattle Mariners the next day, okay? <laughs> That's why we're doing this, to honor his memory, okay? May rest in peace. First off, Wade Boggs is very much alive. Secondly, the number of beers is actually highly disputed. Some say 50, some teammates said 60, some said as many as 70 beers. Which, to be honest, is an absolutely insane amount of beer. Nobody can drink that much. Not with an attitude like that. Perhaps we're taking this a little bit too seriously? Absolutely, we're not, okay? The man is a legend. That's why we're doing this, all right? To honor his memory. Rest in peace, Wade. Again, he is still alive. Oops, I'm here. <laughs> Welcome back to Alcohol by Volume here on More Like Radio. Skype, Alcohol by Volume, all one word. Phone number 862-345-7125. Still spitting out blood. God damn it. For anyone that's interested, I, I, I posted a uh, picture on Instagram of my wonderful tongue wound. Retweeted it on the uh, MLR Alcohol Twitter account too. Ugh, it sucks. Doesn't stop. So, um, let's see. What do we got going on here? Um, let's open up my third beer, the Sam Adams Rebel Rider IPA. It's actually pretty good for for a. Uh, for a Sam Adams Session IPA, no complaints. I know they have a, um, what is it, a uh, Rebel Rouser now, too, which is their double IPA. I haven't tried that yet, but looks like Sam Adams realizes that people like IPAs, so they're, you know, kind of getting into the more, you know, the standard West Coast IPAs, jumping in there. Yep. Uh, in fact, yeah, Rebel Rouser. I was right. So, um, this video from uh, BuzzFeed that uh, Mitch and Matt posted in the Facebook group. Um, oh, dear. Let's see. Um, it is basically a bizarre beer test. That's what it's uh, That's what it's being touted as here. So, um, let me see if I can get this queued up here. Da-da-da-da. Gotta let that music bed. Okay. Oh, geez. On the sidebar here, people use a bidet for the first time from BuzzFeed video. That's one I'll have to check out later. Jesus Christ. So, let's, let's start this out here. I'll, I'll preface this with, there are some people in this video that I want to punch very strongly in the face. I'll uh, put a picture of them in the chat once I start this up. Can you guess who it is the already? Belgian Beaver Brewery's peanut butter flavored milk stout. Cause it's all about the beaver. Peanut butter. Oh, That's oh, it. oh! You're not gay. You're talking about vagina. Cause you're not gay, right? No, you're completely hetero, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Interesting. Really? Malt, oats, lactose, hops, yeast, and natural natural, natural flavors. flavors. Kind of smells like a Reese's Pieces. Whoa! I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. That is peanut buttery. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it too early to go five out of five right out of the gate? High water brewing campfire stout. Yeah, to go back to that peanut butter one, I haven't had that one before, but 
Usually you can't go wrong with a peanut butter beer. Um, my my father-in-law does not like Sweet Baby Jesus only because he is not into porters and stouts. And, well, that's creepy. Don't you hate it when you get a call on your cell phone that is coming from a state where you do know people, but you don't know anybody that would actually call you from there? That's what throws me off. I'll let my phone continue to buzz. So, yeah, this next one here, they got Campfire Stout from Highwater Brewing out of California. Leaves you wanting s'more. It evokes fond memories of wilderness and camping adventures. Douches. Grip crackers. Oh. Whoa, this is dark. Black. Oh, yeah. Hell yes. It smells like candy. Yeah, it smells like candy. But I know it's not going <laughs> to taste like candy. What is wrong with a beer that smells like candy? It means you're getting good, good aromas off of it. Hey, this beer would be good for kids. <laughs> Don't include that in the video. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah, that's really good. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm not getting s'more out of this at all. <laughs> and, you know, I've actually had a couple beers that were touted to be s'more-like. And to be fair, I don't really get s'more out of it either. I get elements of the s'more. I get the graham cracker. I get a little bit of the marshmallow, things like that. I don't get s'more as a whole, though. So, to be fair... Their assessment was right on that. One out of five? One. One. Lemon chiffon cruller ale. <laughs> now you can totally guess what this one is. It's that rogue uh, voodoo donut one, the uh, the new the newest one, which I actually have not found yet. Sorry, we've already had a couple <laughs> beers. Ooh, it's pink. <laughs> I want to shoot that guy in the fucking face too. And not, not with jizz. Just to clarify that. Oh, fancy pink. Don't mind if I do. Which What's is a chiffon? Lemon chiffon? I could. Uh oh. I have a call coming through. Let me uh, answer the call and then unmute. Hello. Hi. How you doing there, Lyle? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, doing okay. Should I be yeah, afraid? I like, what, Should I I be like afraid? what you did with your tongue piercing. Ha ha ha. Very funny. Actually, I used to have my tongue pierced. And even then, I never fucking bit my tongue nearly as many times as I do now. <laughs> How old are you? 35. I, I used to have my tongue pierced, too. I had my septum pierced, all that good shit. <laughs> yeah, I had mine... Um, shit, when was that? I think I took it out by the time I was probably 23. You know, you grew up a little faster than I did. I, I turned 30, and I'm like, you know, I got a, I got a four-year-old kid, and... I'm like time to take all this shit out. Well, yeah, I used to I used to have earrings all up my one ear, and uh, yeah, it, it's almost all gone. The only stuff I got left is the tattoos, which I'm oh, still so, doing. So sexy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, bad bad tongue wound. <laughs> that that's basically it. But but with that, I, I think I'll I think I'll get back to the video, Lyle. <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> Thank you for calling, sir. All righty. Have a good evening. <laughs> you too. <laughs> I'm taking your advice there, James. <laughs> to, to be fair, James, that never, never happened before. <laughs> so let me get back to this. They're, they're back on the Voodoo Donut uh, Lemon Chiffon Cruller Ale. I tell you. Is it this style of donut? Maybe. I feel like a chiffon is a nice, like, scarf a lady wears. Isn't chiffon, like... Um, more of a texture or a style, whereas the cruller is the actual donut, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, 
Oh, that looks like dehydrated pee. Lemony. Wait a second. What What would dehydrated... Wait. If it was dehydrated pee, wouldn't it be powder? I'm really confused by that woman's reaction. Lemon cake. It seriously smells like cleaning fluid. It does! <laughs> oh, blech. You don't like it? No. Oh, I like it. A donut should be a donut and a beer should be a beer. Now, th that is a problem that I have here, too. Now, to be fair, I know that the Voodoo Donut beers are very divisive, and the taste of them is very hit or miss. The last one they did, the uh, chocolate raspberry pretzel, whatever, I thought was quite good. This one, I'm a little worried when they say it basically smells like pine salt. However the, however, the fact that a couple of people actually did like it still gives me a little bit of hope for it if I ever see the damn thing. Um, yeah, James, you like that? See, I was, I was, I was very diplomatic, too. It's very nice. It's very polite. I'm a, I'm a polite guy. I'm, 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 a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. This. Banana bread beer. I've heard about this This is one. the one that could be a problem, right? Bread beer. Bread Look, beer. it says, long ago, ale was known as liquid bread. Huh? Wow. You know what? It's not even just banana bread. It's the yellow Laffy Taffy, which is my favorite Laffy Taffy. I tend to think the aroma is a little bit more uh, banana runts than uh, yellow Laffy Taffy. And I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing because I love my banana bread beer. Nope. I don't like it. I don't like it. I kind of like it. No, it tastes like banana candy. When you see... What's wrong with banana candy? Come on! Banana bread beer. You want some fucking banana bread. You want some carbs. You know, yeah, exactly. This, no carbs in you're here. You're right. Well, okay, that was stupid. No carbs in here? Come on. Come on. <sighs> there are the douches in this video, and then there are the uninformed. Jesus Christ. I like it. I but think this would give you a tummy ache. That's why cool. flavor something unless it's better than normal beer? You don't do what you, you claim, claim to be. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, they, they, I don't know. I, I think out of all of these they had in this video, the banana bread beer would be the most accessible to the non-regular beer drinker. Or not, not non, I didn't phrase that right. To the average beer drinker that, is more familiar with common beers. This last one they got here is uh, Young's Double Chocolate Stout. I think this was what really made me want to punch those two guys in the face. Oh, <laughs> double chocolate. This is gonna be good as hell. It's award-winning. It doesn't say what award it won. That's a nice bottle it's like though. It's like dark. Willy Wonka. Ooh. Okay. Oh. The problem a lot of first-time chocolate stout drinkers face when they taste their first chocolate stout is that, <laughs> and James is saying I'm speaking Greek to him right now, he's not a drinker, he's just supporting me, which I do appreciate, I really do. Um, the problem a lot of chocolate stout drinkers will have that first time out drinking a chocolate stout is that they are expecting a full-on chocolate flavor. They're not expecting the interpretation of chocolate within a beer. And I think that's what some of these people are having a problem with, too. A chocolate stout can be very bitter. It, it will it'll bring up like some of the bitterest dark chocolate out there. Some people might expect a more milk chocolate kind of thing. And that's, for the most part, not what beers will give you. Um, 
There are some that will. Uh, in fact, if you went on my YouTube channel on Saturday, the Lancaster Double Chocolate Milk Stout, that one really has that milk chocolate kind of flavor. But for the most part, your regular chocolate stout, double chocolate stout, um, unless you've added the lactose in there to be a milk stout, you're, you're going to get more of that bitter, dark, roasty chocolate to it. And I suspect these people did not expect that whatsoever. See, I know what I'm talking about. You don't like it? I don't like it. Yes. Yes. No, Mallory's wrong. I hate chocolate. See, one no, of, well, some so of them good. like it. What would you pair it with? That Turkey it. leg? <laughs> I don't know. That was an odd reaction there. It's not too chocolatey, though. No. All these big braggadocious flavors. <laughs> Double chocolate. Fuck anybody that uses the word braggadocious. Take your fucking glasses off and your fucking plaid shirt and you other guy with your fucking douchey hipster glasses and shirt halfway buttoned down and shove them all up your fucking ass. That's what I say. Chocolate? I don't even taste half chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it smells like... Um off-brand chocolate with uh, hotel coffee. Oh, you know, God. like hotel coffee. Like it's free and it's. Oh, uh, for James, stout, 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 stout. It's in the lobby, but it's not good. No. So you like put a little of your hot chocolate packet in to make like an impromptu mocha, but that's not good either. But you're tired. I've. So you, you know it. what? I have actually done that before. Um, to be fair, BuzzFeed does do some pretty decent videos. Otherwise, I've seen. Um, Stuff in the sidebar. Uh, women try whiskey for the first time. People try moonshine for the first time. Um, I think, what was it? Um, there were British people tasting American snacks and then vice versa. Um, things like that. I see one on here. Americans tried German food for the first time. So, I, I get what BuzzFeed was going for. I just probably would have liked it if they didn't have those two douchey assholes on there um and their and their braggadocious nature oh okay uh, james is going off to watch the penguins game have fun man uh go jets <laughs> um let's see what else i got here today um i'm almost positive that somebody posted this one for me on facebook and i don't remember where or who, but uh, this is from uh, The Guardian, and I believe is, uh, well, it's guardian.com, but I want to say this is based out of Australia. Not 100% sure. Uh, they posited the question. I like that word today, posit. It's much better than braggadocious. Ugh. Uh, I feel like I should wear a fedora when I say that. Are you drinking because you're working long hours or are you working long hours to justify drinking? Um, so from the article, some have suggested that the scarcity of leisure time for people who work long hours may result in habits of using alcohol as a concentrated form of relaxant. It's the opinion of Cassandra A. Okachukwu assistant professor at the Harvard School of Public Health who declared of uh, the Finnish findings, there's a Finnish study in here, that people are self-medicating due to work-life time constraints. This was the part of the article, and I'll get into the article proper. 
this was the part of the article that really spoke to me because that is me. I usually only work 40 hours a week, um, videography gigs notwithstanding. So, I mean, if I end up with those at, at any point during the week, I can work anywhere between, you know, 50 and 60 hours a week. Uh, but coming home to two young children is like leaving one stressful job and then going right to another. So, the alcohol... Oh, I felt better. Is a concentrated form of relaxant, and it usually doesn't come for me until the kids are in bed for the night. So, basically, I mean, I'll hold off on, you know, having a beer or two until like 8 o'clock, at which point it makes me nice and tired, and then I can get a nice relaxing sleep after that. So I'll actually relax for maybe a half an hour, and then if I add in my run in the morning, that's another... Like 40-ish minutes. So I probably get a good hour of relaxation and, you know, me time a day. And that's about it. Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of accepted that at this point. <laughs> um, Are you kidding me? Pittsburgh is already winning. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, bring up the scores here. Well, I know Crosby couldn't have scored. Um... Ah, okay, it's falling. Okay. Arizona's beating Philly. Shit. Two nothing. Only not even halfway through the first. Oh shit. Isles and Rangers are playing tonight. I did not realize that. Uh Detroit, Florida game does not start for another few minutes. Um, why am I talking hockey? Um <laughs> Yeah, James says, Tell me about it. Mine are nine and three, fucking nightmares. Yeah, I mean mine are Let's see, my daughter is five months right now. My son is, uh, well, he just turned three in December. So, uh, and he, oh, oh God. They, they, they tell you about the terrible twos. No, 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 no. Fuck twos. Terrible threes. Oy. Three is bad. Three, if you don't drink, it will drive you to drink. That, that is what I'm saying with that. So let me let me get back to this article here. An international study released last week has identified that those who work more than 48 hours a week are 11% more likely to drink alcohol at risk levels than those working a standard week. The study was compiled by Finnish researchers sampling 300,000 subjects across Europe, Australia, and North America. Health guidelines suggest that consumption of more than 14 drinks a week for women and 21 drinks for men poses a significant health risk. No surprise that it's a team of Finnish researchers who are examining the stats around safe drinking. Nordic Finland may be well known, uh, may be a well-known haven of progressive social policy, with an enviable living standard, cradle-to-grave welfare, and the world's best education system. There's one social problem the Finns have not yet licked: alcohol-related illnesses and incidents, including accidents, violence, and suicide, in which alcohol is factored, are the most common cause of death for both working-age men and women there and have been so for many years. And crap. I am actually... I, I didn't time my uh, beverages out well tonight. Mm. So you know what? Uh, I'm going to bring out an old favorite. I say old favorite. I know you people hated this shit. Um, let's see what I got here. Archive miscellaneous. Um... Oh, I do have this here. Okay. You know what? Give me, I don't know, 30 seconds. I'll be right back.
Okay, I'm back. <sighs> part of the part of a good thing about having an actual like refrigerator nearby that I had actually put a soda into. I was originally planning on mixing a little bit of moonshine, but decided not to. I, I I'm like I I've that um the jar of moonshine that I got Actually it was the weekend that uh that weekend of my birthday that I ended up in the ER. That was when I originally got this jar of moonshine. Um, I'm actually finally about halfway through it, and most of it I had drank over the past week, ever since I got that spout in the top of it. But I found that uh, the apple pie moonshine goes really, really well with Diet Coke. Very, very deliciously so. Um, damn it. My fucking mouth is screwed. Um... Oh, yeah, James says, I love my kids, but I hated the infant stage. Yeah, and my son, who's three, is driving my wife fucking nuts. And my wife, my son is driving both of us nuts. Um, right now, I think he's at Walmart with my wife and my mother-in-law, so eh, let them deal with him. Uh, so let's see. Working longer hours has a detrimental effect on an individual's health as well established. Some have suggested from the results of the finished study that alcohol abuse is symptomatic of the work hard, play hard cultures around professions, especially because workers who shifted into longer hours jobs during the study were 12% more likely to develop risky habits as a result. And then they go into the scarcity of leisure time, self-medicating and all that. Um, and they say the study itself does not claim to prove a causation, leaving open the possibility to discuss the pink elephant that lurks in the room behind all social discussions of problem drinking the prevalent, if sometimes well-camouflaged, existence of actual alcoholics. And really, I think there are many problem drinkers out there. There are many um, frequent drinkers out there. There are many avid drinkers out there. But not as many alcoholics. Not as many full-on, full-blown alcoholics. Um, I, I, I really think that is the case nowadays. Um, I want to say there were good comments in this article, but I could be wrong. Um, uh, need a beer after that sobering news from Edward Sausage Hands. Um, da -da -da. let's see if anybody else complains about this. Statistics, um, da -da -da. Da -da -da. there are people who are addicted to work. I don't mind addicts as long as they do it quietly and don't bother me. Um, I, okay, somebody actually had a good good point in here. I, I don't necessarily agree with the rest of their comment, but um, so much discussion of booze-related problems fails to differentiate between alcoholism and drunkenness. The former is a medical problem which everyone wants to address. The latter is a social condition. And that is true. Drunkenness is acceptable. Alcoholism is not. Um, which reminds me of an old Mitch Hedberg joke. Um, alcoholism, um, considering it's a medical problem, it's a, quote, disease. It's the only disease you can yell at someone for. You know, damn it, Otto, you're an alcoholic. Doesn't quite sound the same as, damn it, Otto, you have lupus. Not a good Mitch Hedberg impression, but you get the idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, I. It, it's weird. I th I think the more I work, the less time I actually have to drink. So 
long hours do not necessarily turn into a lot of um, a lot of uh, drinking for me. But I don't know. I'm gonna drink anyway, no matter what. Even 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 when I'm off, I drink a lot, so I I clearly have a problem. Um. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm liking what uh, what uh, James is posting in the chat now. I don't even know who that is, but I I appreciate it very much. So um, another another bit of Australian media here. Uh, this is from Australian Brews News. Writer Zach Martin seems to have a problem with Untapped, and I I I, I really don't. It, it almost feels like he's part of the problem here, given what he's complaining about. Um, he says, with a beer in each hand, I sat and tasted what was a pretty damn good ale. Before anything else, I pulled out my phone and opened an app to upload a photo, rank the beer, and submit my review. Throughout what had become a two-minute ritual, I had unintentionally but entirely ignored my girlfriend sitting across the table. The look on her face told me it was time to delete untapped. Um, well, no, um, you know what, if, if she was complaining about that, either A, she's a bitch, or B, you're just an unattentive boyfriend in the first place, and untapped is symptomatic of so many other problems going on. So, uh, don't, don't blame an app for your, uh, for your relationship problems, sir. He continues, um... On the surface, Untapped has quite a useful premise. Launched in 2010, the beer drinking app was created to help avid craft beer drinkers discover and share your favorite beers. With the tagline of Drink Socially, its creators hope users will find and explore new beers and places to drink them in. And I have found new beers that way. Um, to be honest, typically I find it through the news that I research and everything. But occasionally, Untapped will suggest, you know, if you like this, you'll like this. And I found other stuff that I didn't even know about, and thankfully I found it distributed out here. Untapped has worked for me like that. Even other things, uh, people on my friends list on Untapped have seen stuff they've checked in, and it sounded amazing. I know I'm not going to see it, but I ask them about it and see what it's like and you know, things like that. Um, so he continues, but I, like many I've spoken to, rarely use it for such. Really? Instead, it became a catalog of my past endeavors and a routine I felt compelled to fulfill with every beer I drank. Now, I, I will admit, I am very compelled every time I have a beer to log it on untapped. But I, I think I have a, a different reason for doing that. Um, <coughs> uh, uh, he said, to be fair, it was useful in the early days as a record of my favorite beers, especially trying to recall them later after one too many 6% IPAs. Me, I, I love it at beer festivals. Um, any beer festival, you drink enough, you're going to forget what you've had. Especially, you know, the earliest beers that you had at the event. Untapped is a godsend with that. Because I'm able to log every single beer I've had and know what I've had, what I've liked. Um, and I, I, I going when I was going through my beers of the year list for 2014, going through and seeing what I had had for the first time in 2014... It was actually kind of eye-opening because there were a lot of beers where it's like, holy shit, I forgot about that one. God damn, i got to seek that out again because I did really like that. That's what Untapped is great for. So, 
Again, he continues, a harmless fun quickly turned to a red flag shortly after we arrived for a session at Red Hill Brewery. A wave of anxiety washed over me when I saw my phone had no reception. Without a 3G connection, I wouldn't be able to record a beer available only at the venue. Thankfully, I discovered the free Wi-Fi and earned a badge I had been trying to get for a while. Okay, um... You know what? Nothing is stopping you from earning that stupid badge. And I personally, I don't give a shit about the badges on Untapped. I get them. I don't. I'm not working for them. They just happen to come up. Um, you know, wait until you're out of the venue, and then your 3G will pop back up again. So, this is what his problem is with Untapped: the badges and the quote gamification of the app. It's the technique of using elements from gaming to enhance what would otherwise be a mundane task. You know what? Me, personally, I'd still keep using Untapped, even if there were no badges. Because the badges, that's just a kind of bonus thing. Like, you know, when you get when you get a badge on 4th of July every year and stuff like that. That's just, that's, you know, and I'll look at it and be like, wow, I've had a lot of this kind of beer. You know, I, oh, I've had, I have had a beer on 4th of July, you know, for the past few years and, and things like that. I, it's kind of like on, on Steam, people are fucking crazy with the, uh, those, um, like those Steam trading cards. People go nuts with that stuff. And that's never really appealed to me either. I don't give a shit about the badges. This guy apparently did. Um... So, he goes into that. When creators of these tactics often label as loyalty or retention strategies, they would be better described as addiction. And a meaningless one at that. Well, yeah, if you if you are really into the badges, then you may have a problem with it. Ah. Uh, these virtual rewards do nothing except release a small dopamine kick. Leaving the user with a sense of satisfaction despite its value being entirely artificial. Uh, by rewarding a user for earning the layover badge for drinking five beers in an airport, it creates a false assumption that it's something we should feel proud to achieve. Well, to be fair, I think that is actually something to be proud to achieve. Five beers in an airport? That, that presupposes that you found five beers worth drinking at an airport. Uh, gamifi- gamification techniques work. Blah, um, blah, 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 blah. So... Uh, going into the comments here, the, the, the comments really, really open up kind of uh, and contest what this guy was saying. Luke T says, you raise some interesting points, but I strongly disagree. Firstly, like the other comments here, I've got zero interest in badges. There we go. I use it as a tool to quickly keep track of beers I like, exactly like me. The near complete list of beers make, makes data entry very quick. There you go. Secondly, it's a great tool to find nearby bars that serve good beer when you're traveling. Just look at where is trending in the check-in feed. Thirdly, I've had two lovely interactions with brewers through the app that warmed my heart more than an Imperial Porter. In short, clever beer apps don't upset girlfriends, inattentive boyfriends do. Pretty much what I was saying there. Yeah, I mean, I've had interactions with some of the brewers through um, through the app. Um... You know, you, you have brewers toast your entries to certain ones of their beers. You get to interact with them. You get to follow what they're drinking. Fuck the badges. I don't give a shit about that. Um, 
Nick in these comments said, as with any social media platform, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or Untapped, the problem is not the website or app, but in how people choose to use it. Justin says, I use Untapped regularly, but I don't badge chase. To be honest, I don't even know what badges are available or which ones I've already earned. But where I found Untapped most useful was for casting my vote in your hottest 100. Uh, I just opened Untapped, sorted my beer list by my rating, and it helped remind me of which beers I loved most over the last year. I ended up voting for a beer I hadn't drank for six months or seven months. And again, that's kind of what I was saying there, where I was rediscovering stuff that I had had that I had completely forgotten about. Um, yeah, I'm really going to have to change this windscreen after this show. I'm looking at it, seeing all these little red spots on it. It's really fucking gross. Um, and of course, right, Black on Crack chimes in with, We don't need no stinking badges! Uh, let's see what the scores are looking like. Uh, end of the first, Pittsburgh still up by one. Detroit and Florida, uh, scoreless. A uh, couple minutes in. Um, and I still can't believe that uh, Brodeur is retiring and joining the St. Louis front office because that is goddamn ridiculous. But I'm not talking hockey on this show. I should. I should add more hockey talk in here. But, you know, whatever. Um, let's see. So I did that. I did that. I did that. Um, you know what, let me hit this thing that I've been sitting on for a couple weeks because more interesting stuff has come up. It is an article from First We Feast. Let me make sure I can find it. Facebook is developing software to stop you from posting drunk photos. Now, my first reaction to that is, what the fuck? Come on, that's no fun. Some of the best photos on Facebook are the drunk ones. Um, and in fact, there is one right on here. I'll post it in the chat. See if I can copy the image URL. And here we go. Uh, not not the dude, not the dude in Burger King on the on the left, but the uh, girls in the tub on the. Wait, I'm sorry, not the not the guy at Burger King on the right. I don't know my right and left right now. Not the guy at Burger King on the right. The girls in the tub on the left. Those. That That's a drunken photo I can get behind. And come on. Shit. I mean, the girl in the front's got Jaeger. And, you know, she's she's relatively attractive. You you are probably assuming that all of these ladies are nude. Um, um, not like I really get anything out of that, but whatever. Uh, so back to that. Uh, we've all been there. You're out with your friends. You're looking fly. Oof. You take some selfies and you post all 20 of them straight to Facebook. Now, see, I'm I'm smart. I will drunk tweet. I will not drunk uh, drunk photo bomb people. Wait, photo bomb's not the right word. I will not drunk Instagram, I suppose. Uh, you wake up and realize you were looking more drunk than fly. And every single picture shows you downing a different cocktail. Oops. So, Yan Lacun. Yes, that is the name. An NYU researcher who now oversees the Facebook Artificial Intelligence Research Lab. Yes, there is a Facebook AI lab, AI research lab. That is terrifying, I think. Uh, Aims to stop such behavior, or at least warn people when they're about to post something they might regret, Wired reports. 
Uh, Lacun wants to build a kind of Facebook digital assistant that will say, recognize when you're uploading an embarrassingly candid photo of your late night antics. In a virtual way, he explains, this assistant would tap you on your shoulder and say, uh, this is being posted publicly. Are you sure you want your boss and your mother to see this? How would this work? Well, Lacun plans to combine image recognition and artificial intelligence so the system would be able to distinguish between drunk and sober pictures. See, the problem I have with this... Okay, go, going back to the ones that I posted in the uh, in the chat there. That one on the right is very obviously already very, very drunk. Just by the looks of it. On the left... Um, I mean, the, the girl's sticking her tongue out. Yeah, she's probably already drunk. The one in the back, eh, she's got kind of those wonky drunk eyes going there. The one in the front holding the bottle of Jaeger looks remarkably sober. So how do you tell? How If I can't tell, how's computer AI going to tell? Um, but I continue. He also spoke about a future where an intelligent digital assistant could mediate your interaction with your friends. The real question here is, do you want a machine telling you what to do do you want an algorithm to tell you you're about to embarrass yourself? Come on. Part of that is the fun of Facebook and Twitter. All of us making complete asses out of ourselves. You know, otherwise, honestly, Facebook and Twitter would be very, very boring, in my opinion. Uh, so, you know what, with that, let me move on to the new releases and reveals. I may be like a minute or two shy of the show tonight, but I'm, 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 my, my tongue is just, I'm done. I am done with this. I want to have one, one more beverage and then go to goddamn bed. Plus, I think I just heard uh, uh, three, my wife and my mother-in-law uh, just arrived back home, so my time is limited. So the first one I got here from Odell Brewing. This is Mercenario. It starts with Odell Mercenary, their year-round 9% IPA, which is then put into Jose Cuervo tequila barrels. Now remember, during that um, corporate pairing article, somebody was talking about, um, what was it, Budweiser in, like, was it Jack Daniels Barrels or something like that? Well, here you go. You get Odell brewing an IPA and Jose Cuervo tequila barrels. And in an inter interesting turnabout here, Jose Cuervo is aging some of their tequila in Odell beer barrels. So Jose Cuervo is a very well-known tequila brand. Um, and in fact, let me, um, let me, let me, let me read the, uh, the side of the label here. Um, Mercenario is the result of a barrel exchange with our friends just south of the border. We aged our Mercenary IPA in Jose Cuervo Tradicional barrels, and in turn, the folks at Jose Cuervo aged Tradicional in our beer barrels. The brew boasts a spicy tropical hop character that balances the toasted oak with a surprisingly smooth finish. So this one's bottle conditioned in 750 milliliter bottles, Release is uh, to be determined on this one. Next one is a uh, return. We got uh, Avery Brewing and Russian River. It is the ninth release of their collaboration, Not Litigation. This is a pretty popular one. Uh, 
especially given all the litigation that's gone on recently with like Lagunitas and stuff like that. So the ninth release of this collaboration, it's a Belgian strong ale, should be clocking in at just under 9% ABV. Release date on this one is uh, to be determined. I wasn't able to find out any hard numbers on this yet. But if they're talking about it now, you can probably look at about maybe March. Uh, Trogues Brewing. I like Trogues Brewing because they're local-ish to me. Never been to the brewery, but I would really like to make it there. Uh, their cultivator, Hellas Bach, is going to be in cans. It's their spring seasonal, releasing in cans for the first time next month. Uh, going by their description of this particular beer. Emerging from springtime's fertile ground, Cultivator celebrates the start of hop growing season as sprawling fields of hop rhizomes climb and tether to hop vines. The springbok delivers hints of toasted grains, fresh baked bread, and delicate floral hops. I have to admit, I, I love the uh, the hint of fresh baked bread in a beer. That, that just that gets me. That totally gets me. I don't know why. So it's a Hellas Bach. Uh, 6.9% ABV. It's going to be in 12-ounce bottles, cans, and on draft, and it's hitting shelves in February. Next one here, and I'm actually surprised. Um, I've been seeing a lot more popping up this next one from Boulevard. I've been seeing a lot of their stuff popping up here lately, especially the Smokestack series, which I never thought I was going to see out here. And now I'm seeing it everywhere. This is another such instance that I'm hoping I will see. Uh, it's a collaboration with Kansas City's Christopher Elbow Chocolates, part of Boulevard's Smokestack series, like I mentioned. It's their Chocolate Ale 2015. Go with their description on this one. It's full of surprises, beginning with a glowing amber hue. The aroma is given over to earthy, fruity cocoa with just a hint of hops. Smooth layers of dark chocolate intertwined with threads of caramel, vanilla, and nutty malt as the flavor warms and rounds to a bittersweet finish. So it's an American strong ale with chocolate, a style you don't necessarily see lending itself to chocolate as much. So curious about this one. It's going to be in 750 milliliter bottles, cork and caged, 9.1% ABV, and it is releasing in early February. Uh, another one from Avery here. This is not a collaboration, but a uh, solo project of theirs. This is Perzik Saison. Another peach beer, no complaints from me. The more peach beers, the better, because you, know, you can really uh, you can really try different things with it. I, I love Festina Pesh. I love um, Son of a Peach from R.J. Rocker. There is actually a review that will be coming up in the coming weeks um, of another peach beer that I've had that I didn't necessarily enjoy as much as those other two, but it was still pretty good. So this one, it's a Saison brewed with peaches. It's intended as a summer seasonal. It hasn't been formally announced by Avery yet, but the artwork is for 12-ounce cans, so we got the can part of it. And uh, it's at 6.4% ABV. Summer seasonal. Should be on shelves by April or May, I would guess. Um, this one, I, I get the feeling that uh, maybe someone like JJ from 360 and 420 would uh, be interested in this particular brew. It's Oscar Blue's Pinner. It is a not-so-subtle weed-inspired beer with phrasing like, can I be blunt on the can, an online description of the perfect beer for a little sip-sip give, and of course the name, 
I didn't realize this. I had to look this up. Uh, a pinner is apparently, quote, a thin joint low on marijuana content. So pinner is a 4.9% ABV session IPA that, get this, apparently has that aroma of marijuana. Very, very interesting. I'm curious about this. I, I haven't smoked weed in, shit, uh, it's been over 10 years, I think. But you never forget that smell. So I'm, I'm curious to find this one. It's going to be releasing March 1st and actually earlier in Colorado and North Carolina. So keep an eye out for that one. Oscar Blues, Pinner. Uh, going back to Boulevard here. Probably should have ordered these, shouldn't I? Eh, whatever. Uh, Boulevard is expanding um, some of their lineup in cans this year. They are launching four 12-ounce canned offerings, three of which have been released in some form before. You got their Unfiltered Wheat Beer, Pop-Up IPA, and Ginger Lemon Radler. New to the can lineup is Heavy Lifting IPA, which is closely related to one of their Taproom series releases, Mid-Coast IPA, which I think you can find in some of their mixed 12 packs right now. Uh, that one's going to be 6.2% ABV. It's a year-round offering brewed with Centennial, Amarillo, Topaz, and Citra Hops. Ship dates for these ones is still to be determined. And a couple more for you here. Uh, from Brooklyn, ugh, Brooklyn Brewing. K is for Creek is uh, shipping. I know I've mentioned this one on the show before because I like the uh, Lambics and Lambic-inspired beers. So they added Montmorency cherries to their Local 2 offering, which is an Abbey Ale. Then they aged it in American chard, oak bourbon barrels, and over time the sugar from the cherries fermented. Long Island has actually already seen this one hit shelves, and it should be making its way out to the other bottle shops in the next few weeks. It's going to be in 750 milliliter bottles, corked and caged, and at a decent punch of uh, 10% ABV there. Honestly, I'd say it's a little high for a creek, but um, then again, it, it's an Abbey Ale, so get that kind of mixture there. Um, and then the... Ah, fuck. My game's tied now. Shit. Uh, hold on. I'm going to see here who scored. Uh, okay. Wait, is it tied? Oh, okay, yeah, it's tied. Yeah, fucking Panthers just scored on the power play. God damn it. But Drew Miller had a shorthand goal. Assisted by Jonathan Erickson. So. Oh, of course, Dan, Ho Dan O'Halloran's ref in this game. Fuck that guy. Okay, anyway, last one here. Goose Island, Bourbon County Maple. Is it coming to us? Goose Island tees fans with an image of BCS being added to barrels with maple syrup. Apparently, it's being called Maple Innovation right now with a little BCS abbreviation on the barrel labeling sheet. So keep an eye open for this new variant to join um, their other variants that they've had. Um, they got coffee, vanilla rye, berries, and coconuts. I'd love to find those ones, but I know I'm not going to see them out here. I, I saw the stout, saw the barley wine, and that was about it. So, And that is it for this week. Um, at least, whoa, at least I'm feeling a little bit better right now. Uh, sorry about that harsh music bed transition there. So... Of course, check out the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Twitter, at Odysseus, E-D-I-C-A-U-S, at MLR underscore alcohol. Ununtapped, which I obviously talked about this week. 
Alcohol by volume, all one word. If you want to friend me, I will approve just about anybody, even Lyle. Um, coming up next, it is a repeat of my time now with J5 because, and there's a good reason for this, it's not like he lost power or anything like that. No, no, no. J5 got a promotion at work, so um, we, we, are, we are actually happy for him. So he's, I think he's doing some kind of training tonight, but that, that's, that's a good situation for him. Good reason to miss the show. And of course, that is followed by Dutch and Royce. So I will see you guys all next week, and hopefully um, I won't be bleeding from the mouth next week and <laughs> feeling just disgusting. I'll see you guys.